0: Hello, and welcome to another installment of Visionaries, a podcast that demonstrates you don't need a lot of eyesight in order to be a visionary. I am, as always, one of your two estimable hosts on this year's program. My name is John Steinberg, joined by my infinitely talented raconteur of a co-host who goes by the name of Aiden Barrett. Aiden, how's it going this evening?
1: Going good, John. I'm excited to be here
0: tonight as am i and as always we like to begin our program with our words to live by a little wisdom for you to go ahead tuck in your back pocket as you face the challenges that the week happens to throw at you i selected the quote this week and i will turn it over to mr aiden barrett who will read our words to live by for this week aiden what's the quote
1: yeah. These words to live by this week come from legendary head coach, Pat summit. Here's how I'm going to beat you. I'm going to outwork you. That's it. That's all there is. there is to it. Success is a project that is always under construction. John, obviously a good quote has a lot, has a lot to say in it. What did you take out of it? Why is it on our show today?
0: So with Pat summit, um, RIP, by the way, um, This is a woman that, I mean, she retired at the age of 59, and she led the Lady Vols to 38 consecutive appearances in the NCAA uh, Women's Collegiate Tournament. Uh, Eight national titles under her belt, coached an Olympic team. Uh, This is one of the tippy-top, Uh, In a list that was released, I believe, by ESPN some years back, she was ranked the 11th best coach of all time in any sport, and she was the only female representative on the entire list. So when I think about somebody who was able to amass such a lasting, impressive legacy, I go to the fundamentals. I go to, okay, well, what drove them? So I take a look at a quote like this. Am I going to beat you? I'm going to work harder than you. That's it. Pretty simple. Easy to wrap your head around. And yet something that she, I feel like, elevated um, to an entirely new plateau. And then you chalk in... um, that success is a project that you never absolutely finish, and you pair kind of those things together. And uh, I, I truly, I found the quote inspiring, um, you know. And I just got off of watching the most recent season of this amazing show on FX called The Bear, and there's this ongoing plotline involving chefs at a restaurant. Referring to quotes from Mike Sheshewski. Actually, Mike Sheshewski, the legendary Duke head coach, actually appears on the show. Uh, but they are deriving wisdom from this legendary men's head basketball coach. And there's a lot to be gained from somebody like a Pat Summit. If you think about it, the NBA, I believe the longest tenured head coach is Greg Popovich, and he is he's under 30 years. There are not these folks that have the, oh, and like Jim Beheim. Jim Beheim was at Syracuse for over 40 years. You know, I went to the University of Arizona where Lute Olson was there for over 30. You don't get this type of stuff in major professional American sports, but you do in the collegiate ranks. And with this particular excerpt, we get the secret. I'm going to work harder than you. That's it. In what did you think of the
1: quote? Well, John, if you're gonna take 20 words off anyone to learn how to win, I mean, it's gotta be Pat Summit, right? I mean, you said it yourself 31 consecutive NCAA tournament appearances, eight championships, 22 final four appearances. I mean, these are video game like numbers. Uh, you know, schools dream of chances to get to these uh places, and uh, I mean, Pat Summit was doing it basically you know every other year actually from the percentages a little bit better than uh every other year obviously your quote it's super you know simple in what it's saying but it's a little bit harder when you really think about it i mean obviously there's a bunch of people trying to get to the top get to you know just a stepping stone of uh where pat summit got to and she really simples it down you know obviously at the end of the day it does come to work it does come to a work ethic and i think that the greatest part about this quote is it doesn't say anything about your talent doesn't say anything about your starting level doesn't say anything about you know what resources you have what who's around you who you can go to it was just very simple anyone can follow it it's You have to work, you have to have that work ethic if you want to be good at something. You are going to eventually start to see results. I mean, we just had a great co-host, we're having a great co-host on later today in the show. I mean, there's going, I'm sure we're gonna get some things where she's going to show how she got from where she was to where she is now. There are things you have to take, steps you have to take to find the results. You keep working, results will come. And that's what Pat Summit is saying in this quote, just very simple, look, I'm going to outwork you, you do what you want, you go, you get this coach, you go and, you know, do, you know, learn this thing, have this resource, have this person helping you, this mentor, I'm just going to work, that's what I'm going to do, I'm just going to work, I'm going to work harder than you, Uh, I'm going to self-correct, I'm going to, you know, put myself in positions to get, you know, help from the other, from other people, by my work ethic, and that's a lesson, a technique that, Anyone listening to this podcast can follow me and you can do the exact same thing. John, we want to get better at something we're going to after to work. How do we get even farther than that other person? We're going to have to work even harder. I mean, obviously not everyone's at the same starting point Uh, that wasn't even mentioned in this tweet. And that's what I like so much about it. You know, it's super simple. It's harder than, you know, think. Obviously, it's hard to do because you have to put that hard work in. But you put that hard work in, you're going to start to see results. And when those results start coming, going to start becoming a little bit easier to put that hard work in. And, uh, you know, just all around good quote and from uh, one of the greatest winners that we've ever seen. I think we can both agree on that, John. Definitely.
0: So, again, we love the inspirational words from – R.I.P. Miss Pat Summit. Now we move on to Handprints Hall of Fame, where we take a look at somebody that we find inspirational, whose merits deserve inclusion on our illustrious pantheon of noteworthy recipients. We like to talk about people that have overcome obstacles, people that have broke down barriers, and people who, in many ways, compel us to be the best versions of ourselves. So, uh, Mr. Aiden Barrett, you got to select this week's
1: inductee. Who'd you pick? Yeah, this week I wanted to induct Tony Snell into the Ham Prince Hall of Fame. Uh, he played nine seasons in the NBA from 2014 to 2022. Six teams drafted 20th overall in 2014. Had a pretty nice career for himself. 600 games, average 21 minutes a night, so just over six points a game, just over two rebounds, just over an assist a game, 43% from the field. Had a pretty nice career for himself. Obviously stayed in the career for almost, or in the NBA, for almost a decade when, uh, when you can play professional sport for just around a decade. Uh, you've obviously followed Pat a uh, little bit of advice to you uh, at work, people, and that is exactly what Tony Snell did at the end of the day. But Tony Snell got some new news or new information this year, John. I don't know if you're familiar uh, with the story and how he was diagnosed. But earlier this year, um, his, his baby or his child, um 18 months wasn't showing you know the the learning ability that the uh signs of that he was learning developing and they they wanted to go and get him checked out and it was basically recommended that he get checked out for autism and um his son actually came back and was diagnosed with autism so tony uh obviously you know sees us his son's got autism and you know a little bit about the condition it can get passed down through, you know, through other people in your family. So Tony went back and he realized he was always a little bit different, you know, struggled a little bit socially, uh, relationships, friendships. Uh, It was definitely a struggle at times for him. So he himself went and got checked for autism. And when actually at 31 years old, Tony Snell was diagnosed with autism after a nine-year career in the nba six different teams took a chance on him he played for six different teams the bulls the bucks the pistons the hawks the trailblazers and the pelicans retiring in 2022 played for six teams nine years in the nba at 31 he was diagnosed with autism you know he sat down in an interview And he said, if he had found out about this sooner, because, John, it's a disease or a condition that gets undiagnosed very often. And obviously, he wasn't diagnosed at, you know, that typical earlier on age. He was diagnosed at 31. And he said in the interview, he said, if he was diagnosed at an earlier age, he wouldn't be in the NBA today. So, John, this is one of the reasons why I wanted to put him into the Handprints Hall of Fame, because I wanted to bring up this question to you. Because you work with a lot of people who have disabilities, when when they're you know struggling with something, do you see it sometimes? It's not so much their disability, but maybe the knowing of their disability. Uh, That
0: can be extraordinarily difficult for a lot of people. Um, I mean, a lot of the people I work with hate going to doctors. Hate anything resembling a medical diagnosis because it just reminds them of difficult times and takes them back to a place where they don't want to go. Um, I think about somebody like Tony. Oh, I I just have to say, I'm so glad you selected uh, Mr. Snell, who played high school ball with my favorite basketball player in the entire world, Mr. Kawhi Leonard. So I was familiar with his story. And, um, yeah, I I remember reading about this when, uh, like ESPN covered it when, um, the story first came out and much like, uh, John Amici, who from my memory, was the first openly gay, uh, player in the NBA, um, he was not an active player at the time he'd recently retired he played for the Orlando Magic and he wrote this book called Man in the Middle and then after that Jason Collins came out um, of the closet maybe garnering uh, a little bit more attention in the process but um, for Tony Snell to highlight this kind of an issue um, wearing the cape so to speak saying in effect uh, I'm somebody who played At the highest possible levels of the second most popular sport in the United States and the world over. And I too suffer. I'm no different than anyone that might have been diagnosed with autism or placed somewhere on the spectrum. I'm no different than any of you. Okay. I played in the NBA. All right. And I have dealt with the same stuff. And, you know, a lot of times uh, that kind of thing drives the conversation forward. You know, a couple of years ago in the NBA, I believe it was Kevin Love who wrote a column uh, on the Players' Tribune talking about his own mental health. And there was uh, DeMar DeRozan, also a notable case of somebody who talked about his struggle with mental health. So with Tony Snell, Bringing the issue of autism out of the shadows, out of any realm of being the type of thing that would get somebody typecast or stigmatized and normalizing a condition like this. Um, Really important stuff. And uh, I'm very happy that uh, you selected Mr. Snell for inclusion this week,
1: didn't? Yeah, definitely. And the thing that I really want to harp on here, because, I mean, we talk lot the time. We know how talented people with dis- disabilities can be, how u- unique they can be, and how good they can be at things. I mean, Tony Snell did say, he said, that he wouldn't be in the NBA today if he had found out earlier on that he had this disability. So for the people out there who are listening, who do have a disability, and you know, feel that way that they can't do something. Like, look, Tony Snell never knew he had it and was still able to do something incredible. Now you're in a different position. You may know you have it, but it doesn't mean that you can't be, you know, the next Tony Snell. I'm not saying you're gonna be the next Tony Snell, but th- there are things that you know you're gonna have struggles. There, they're gonna be hard times. I'm sure, you know, Tony Snell, he talked about it, had tr- trouble socially, had trouble with relationships, always knew there was something different, just didn't have a name to it. it, happened to be autism in the end. If you're out there and, you know, and you have a goal, go for it. You know, you may have that that name autism on you, um, outwork, be what Pat Summit said, outwork the person next to you, outwork the person in front of you. Be the best that you can be. You're gonna put yourself in situations to be the best. Show that you're the best, and that that's my little thing uh, going forward. And obviously, Tony Snell um, had John. You said a gr- great NBA career. Um, 20th overall pick, uh, so he's talented throughout most of his life. 20th overall. Uh, in the end, 2014 NBA draft played in some, you know, six teams and, uh, you know, big eyes, uh, Chicago Bulls. I mean, historic franchises. Uh, so, you know, great. Uh, very happy to put Tony Snell into the uh, handprint Hall of Fame this week, John.
0: Absolutely. Now we are going to be moving on to our next segment, Profiles in Courage, where we speak with someone that has some wisdom to share. And we are extraordinarily fortunate today. Uh, We're gonna be joined by stroke survivor, extraordinarily talented young woman. She is battling on the front lines, waging the most noble battle on behalf of those within the disabled community. We're gonna be speaking with Diana Zupiro, and uh let's head right into that conversation
1: awesome conversation there diana thanks for coming in if you're still listening really appreciate you having on a lot of good stuff to say there huh john diana thank you for joining us here today um it's been 11 years since your tragic incident after going through the experience and all the the surgeries and time in the hospital is there anything that you learned about yourself that you didn't already know?:
2: Well, not a uh, give up at all. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and you need to fight. And just day by day,, day by day, I learned so much about, like, the medical model of it and yeah
1: no that's that's awesome um you know for obviously now you know you've been going through and working with you know other people who have you know gone through a similar experience or you know have, have suffered from a stroke for those people you work with today at unity what seems to be the hardest part to their recovery and I mean you talk about encouragement and trying to help those people go you know even from a mental process go through it and get back to where they were. Well, what's your, you know, best way of, you know, dealing with that? And what's like, you know, the biggest problem that you see off the most often?
2: So sometimes they have no speech and I've been there. I've been through it too. And it is going to the um, people's uh, rooms and just encouragement for the patient and just <laughs> um struggle with though um sometimes have no speech and sometimes they have like a why me attitude as well
1: yeah definitely definitely um you know they have like the, that the why me attitude you have the go bigger go home attitude <laughs> when when, you know, when obviously sometimes there's going to be better days and there's going to be some bad days. On those bad days where, you know, maybe the patient or the person just isn't feeling their best, they don't see maybe the progression that you may see from them going from day one to, you know, as it keeps going on. Because obviously, you know, as time goes on, you know, kind of if you hit a little bit of a bump, it kind of can become frustrating. So when you see that yeah. frustration starting to come about, What's the best way for you yourself to deal with it with that person and kind of, you know what, do you some backtrack and show, hey, you've made this much progress so far or what? what's your best way of dealing with this?
2: Showing people how far they come. And then I was in a wheelchair and same experiences in the brain injury unit and they have like in- the wheelchair as well and now i have pictures to prove it that i am running again with a brace on my leg and they can do it
1: (sighs) yes definitely definitely you know you say you know you're running again now you went from being in a wheelchair to running again this has happened freshman year senior year you're back in the water you're competing again you know, take me through that day from, you know, the start of that day to, you know, you know, you're coming getting in the water today to the end of it. Was there nerves? Was it an emotional day? What was what were you what was Diana experiencing that day?
2: So I was pretty nervous because it was the senior me and so nervous because I didn't go in the water for a me before, like after my stroke. But like not before but after and just nervous so nervous and it was having people uh root me on and like in me and it was kind of exciting and um and they said stroke 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 <laughs> get it yeah before my accident my mom said stroke 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 (laughs) and I did have a stroke (laughs) get it (laughs) but um yeah that's it was like nervous after before during
1: the me it was exciting yeah definitely sounds exciting (laughs) got through it And um, I know, obviously, you said, you know, your mom and your teammates were shouting stroke, stroke, stroke. A lot of those are, you tell me, some of those teammates may have been there on that day, back freshman year. Kind of from freshman year to senior year, what kind of support did you get from, you know, teammates and, you know, coaches? Who who were the big supporters in your life for those four years of uh, high school, trying to get back in the water, getting back to what you were doing? Um,
2: my mom was my biggest, uh, role model and then my coach and my team mates as well. Um, they pushed me and, and stuff and, um, uh,
1: raising money for me as well. Yeah, that definitely sounded like there was definitely some support and support they should have had. I mean, obviously, you have a really, you know, optimistic attitude getting back in the water and, you know, going back and competing just four years later, not even a full four years later, but getting back in the water and competing again. That's to my last question. Um, Getting back in the water. Was that ever a question for you or you knew that one day you wanted to get back in that water?
2: Oh, well, yeah. Like after my stroke, I was ready. Like I had no movement on my right after my stroke, but I can swim again after and going back to like into the water is like the main goal. And and They were considering me to go to the Olympic, uh, pure para Olympic team after I graduated as well. But, uh, school was more important.
1: Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, that's an awesome, awesome feat, even just to be recognized for a possibility to get. Part of the Paralympic team. Thanks, Diana. I'm going to shove it over here to John now.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we are speaking with uh, Diana Zapparo, host of <laughs> Sorry, Sorry. My bad. Um, <laughs> You're fine. Host, host of a wonderful podcast that everyone should check out. That uh, she does with her fiance. A stroke of luck. They highlight some really. Uh, worthwhile topics. Um, so I was thinking about it. I, I listened to a couple episodes of the show this afternoon and I was thinking about it. So, um, okay, I am visually impaired, uh, Diana, And when I walk out into the world and I have my cane in my hand and I'm wearing sunglasses, um, it's kind of obvious what's going on. Mm-hmm. But with a condition such as yours, I was trying to place myself in your shoes Um, how do you kind of explain it to people? And do you deal with just people being ignorant and, you know, (laughs) questioning? I mean, look, I deal with this too, but I can't kind of imagine, um, the level to which you deal with it. And I was wondering some of the strategies that you employ, um, yeah, to kind of get past those ignorant folks that may be like, well, why, you know, why does your voice sound like this? And you know, they're not, um, yeah. So yeah. If, um, yeah. T- tell us how you get through those, those types of situations in those moments.
2: Well, it was challenging. Um, but with the, uh, visual impairment, um, it was like, I am blind on my right cut as well like, I can't okay. see you, like, this side, um, what is the question, again, I, <laughs> I'm so sorry,
0: <laughs> no, 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 all, all good, so, um, I was, uh, wondering how you explain, um, I get asked all the time, um, so what can you see right now, and, you know, what, what's it like to be blind, and, <laughs> you know, I have to answer those questions and it gets annoying a little bit. So I've kind Mm -hmm. of come up with a stock answer, to be honest, where I tell people, oh, it's kind of like a television screen where there's permanent static and you can never turn the channel and it's just static 100 percent of the time. Um, But like I say, if I walk out in the world with a cane and with a pair of sunglasses on, it's pretty obvious. But with somebody who suffered a stroke such as yourself, not quite as obvious so yeah dealing with uh ignorance that the world throws in your direction yeah.
2: yeah um it is some people in my life uh very interested but some people are not and just move on with it and having like like the good in people, not the bad.
0: Yeah, and uh, I spoke about your podcast earlier—a stroke of luck that you guys can all check out. Um, so, tell us a, a bit about that podcast and kind of what you have set out to achieve with um, that platform.
2: So, the um, I was on TikTok. For a couple of months, and my fiance and I started the podcast, and it it was r- having a voice again to um, public speaking again and um, speaking. share your educational experience to right share <laughs> um experience with everybody
0: yeah and then um in you know kind of persevering through some of the obstacles that have been placed in front of you um how what do you lean upon you know are there like in my own case, uh, I listen to podcasts about bad movies, and for whatever reason, my day could be going horribly off the rails, and I just start listening to people rip on, you know, a terrible B movie and uh, puts a smile on my face. But what is it for you that, you know, is able to propel you through some of those uh, trials and tribulations? Are there, you know, movies or music or? conversations or do you meditate um yeah i think uh, interested in knowing some of the stuff that you lean upon when times get tough
2: so one song uh well two songs before my stroke um it was lose yourself by eminem and uh remember the name i can't remember the artist and that was like my swimming song, like to like have anyway. Um, And then after that, it was that two songs as well. And it was in my head, I need to move on and just fight and having that song is um, like the bad days, move on with it. And having those songs so helpful.
0: Absolutely. Uh, and then, you know, kind of going forward, um, what are some of your goals in, um, you know, in um, advocacy? Uh, You know, advocating on behalf of uh, the disabled community. I mean, you spoke earlier about providing a voice and, um, you know, empowering those to articulate some of their own experiences. Um, Yeah, how do you, you know, kind of plan to make an impact in um, within the disabled community?
2: Yeah, I want to change the law. (laughs) Because um... Services can't, uh, support me, and it's designed to, um, get on it. Um, and it was so encouraged, uh, not encouraged, um, encouraged, um, and yeah. And it was asset limits in my life. And I can't get off it because I I want to save, but I can't. And I want to awareness to it after my master's.
0: <laughs> Right, right. Um, yeah, and so from listening to you know some episodes of your show, um, you are how uh, you are in the midst of obtaining your master's degree in. Mm-hmm. Um, from what I remember, from you know what we talked about on the show, um, it is in uh, disability advocacy. Right, it's in uh, disability, disability studies. Incredible! Incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, again, I want to allow you to uh, just tell our listeners where uh, they can find you, where they can learn a little bit more about your story, and um, yeah, uh, interact and uh, keep up with uh, keep up with you.
2: Well, I am on a Stroke of Luck podcast, and then on TikTok and Instagram, and and the Reds as well launched yesterday. Oh, great. Mm
1: -hmm. Awesome.
0: And uh, Aiden, I'll uh, turn it back over to you.
1: Yeah, Diana, thank you so much uh, for joining us here today. Um, Just for our listeners out there who, you know, maybe in the disabled community, what would you say to them, you know, for them who still have, you know, those, you know, those dreams and those, you know, they want to go do something and they still want to, you know, be, uh, you know, on track to do something really cool. What would be your best advice for them?
2: Just fight for your dreams, man, because I been there. I've been through it and people saying No. I am saying yes.
1: <laughs> yes, definitely. Although you did the first words out of your mouth were no mom. So definitely going yes now. Um, Diana, thank you so much for uh, for joining us here today. We're super happy, happy to have you on. You had a lot of great stuff to say. Incredible story. Thank you. Uh, thank, thank you so you. much for coming on today. Thank yeah, you. I really,
0: yeah, I really appreciate you taking the time to be with us uh, today. Thank you. Absolutely. Um, I mean, look, I talked about their podcast a couple of times and I I, I really meant what I said Um, to hear the story that Deanna has to share, the things that she's been able to overcome throughout her life and where she's going in the future. Really, really exciting. Definitely a person to monitor and uh, a person that I think we can all learn a great deal from.
1: Yeah, definitely. Definitely a really cool, exciting story. And uh, Diana, obviously very inspirational to many out there.
0: Yes, yes. Uh, And now we are going to segue into our next segment. Respect and representation in the media, where we look at a piece of pop culture, be it a movie, a television show, a song, or maybe a play, or in the case of today's podcast, a short story, where we ask ourselves the fundamental question, did they get it right? Was the disabled community in question represented in a fair, just, balanced way, or... Were they used as pawns by someone trying to make a larger statement? Did they get it wrong or did they get it right? So uh, this week, I got to select the piece of pop culture that uh, we're going to be highlighting. And I leaned on kind of my literary roots, thought about a short story that stayed with me the first time I've read it. I've probably read it uh, like five or six times by this point. Uh, I selected... One of the masters, one of the true icons, one of the best American short story writers of all time, Raymond Carver, comes from his collection Cathedral, it was put out in the 1980s. And it's the titular story from that collection. The name of the story is Cathedral. In the story, we get a couple. That are living on the East Coast. The wife in the couple has recently left a position where she used to work with a visually impaired person. She's kept up with a visually impaired friend. They've become close. Her husband is kind of resentful of how close they've actually gotten. Fast forward to uh, a little bit of time down the road, the visually impaired friend happens to be in town and he wants to visit uh, his friend and her kind of skeptical husband. In the process of this meeting, the husband, who I say skeptical, one might argue that he has eh, sort of been downright nasty to the visually impaired person, they wind up talking about european cathedrals and how they look and actually they find some common ground so aiden what did you think of the story
1: you know john obviously like these stories um when when reading the story i kind of wanted to i don't want to say you know because i don't have the actual science behind it but i kind of put it with you know my own experiences you know when i'm meeting someone I'm trying to get to know someone a really, you know, way that is bonding is, you know, the relationship or the, the relationships that you have with that person that you can, you know, similarities to that person. And obviously, you said throughout this story, you know, the husband wasn't a really big fan of Robert. Um, He didn't like the relationship that uh, he had with his wife. He was didn't really want him over. Obviously, you know, they've been friends for a while now and he wanted he wanted nothing to do with him, really. And then when trying to explain to Robert's trying to um, find out about the cathedral, she asked him to draw it and then he draws it and then, you know, he shuts his eyes and then he opens up and he asked to explain it to him. It wasn't until he shut his eyes where he really understood what it was like to be Robert. And I think when he was able to, you know, shut his eyes and really see what it was like, to be robert i think he had a totally uh you know new understanding um new type of respect for robert i mean that's where they were eventually able to you know kind of relate to each other that was the first time it really felt like okay you know what well maybe i don't you know resent this person as much as i did in the beginning um And, you know, obviously at the end, you know, he's able to kind of experience what Robert's, you know, experiencing, honestly, 24-7, 365. So I think that that was something that really, that was the part for me where I was really able to relate with this story. You know, I think about, you know, relationships that I have with people today, um, you know, where it was really something that we were really able to connect on or bond on was sports. That's where we really were able to start. Actually having conversations with each other. I mean, before this, he didn't really want to have a conversation with Robert. Like he wanted nothing to do with Robert. And now, you know, obviously again the conversation with the cathedral, and he's having trouble explaining it. He draws it out, closes his eyes, and then is gonna open them, but it's kind of just like, Okay, how would I explain? Now he's really understanding how he would explain it to Robert, and not only how he'd explain it, he's understanding how Robert is seeing this. So, I mean, that was the part where, for me, where I was really able to relate with this story. Yeah, for
0: for me, this one's about as powerful as it gets. I've assigned this to students um, and uh, the response that it always elicits is um, something that has stayed with me. So this is one of those stories that was introduced to me when I, I was probably 17, the first time I read it, um, 37 now, and I have I said five times, I've probably read it, I don't know, eight or nine times, um, and each time, that catharsis that comes at the end, when the husband, I'm forgetting his name, but the husband in question is able to, as you said, finally identify with Robert's experience. It's just truly such a beautiful literary moment and indicative of, you know, an underlying theme that we try to get across on this podcast. The idea that, you know, try to, to the best of your ability, put yourself in the shoes of someone else. Rather than merely evaluating the world from your own vantage point, attempt to see it from or through the lens of another party, of somebody dealing with a completely dissimilar set of circumstances. Place yourself in their shoes. What would life look like? What would the world sound like? What would a meal smell like? How would things feel? Try to really get to the experience of someone else. Ultimately, you'll be better off for it. You'll learn some things, not only about the person in question, but you will learn some things about yourself. Um, so in terms of representing the visually impaired experience, um, yeah, this is right near the top with just most powerful stories that, uh, that I can think of. And that's why I wanted us to chat about it on, uh, on the show.
1: Definitely, yeah. No, this definitely yeah. was a good story to pick, John. Um, obviously, like you said, it's it's really like you're able, like I'm even able to relate to it because at the end, you know, they're able to see, you know, how through his lens how he, well, his experience and then i feel like you know he gained almost a new respect for robert that's that's kind of how i felt he gained almost a new respect and um I, maybe they're able to you know bond after that but uh you know it definitely was a story where really you kind of as the story went on you were kind of hoping that at some point um he'd kind of understand because i mean he just he kind of like really just giving it to robert um not not even as much as Robert really knows, but it's just like kind of really giving it doesn't really, you know, want Robert around. And uh, it seems like at the end, it kind of, um, I think there's a new respect found toward Robert. Yeah,
0: definitely. One of the real jewels in the Raymond Carver literary crown. The name of the story is cathedral. It's in the collection titled cathedral. Check it out. And now we turn to our last segment. Connecting the Dots, inspired by the Braille alphabet, Braille lettering and numerical system, which is arranged by six dots. And each letter contraction number is formed by the way in which those dots interact with each other. Uh, So I wanted to talk about inspired by the discussion we kind of just had in in revisiting the Story Cathedral, I thought about a conversation that I got into with uh, some students in recent times. Let me just kind of tell you the, uh, let me give you the backstory, okay? So uh, I was getting an Uber to go from uh, West Hollywood over the hill uh, to the Valley to Encino where I was living at the time. So I'm waiting for an Uber and, you know, I have gotten into the habit of sending a text, just, you know, like a message driver. <clears throat> hey, uh, I am the gentleman uh, with holding a cane. I am visually impaired and I am wearing a baseball hat. Like having to identify pretty clearly um Who they are going to be looking for, because you know, oftentimes with Uber they'll park across the street or a little bit down the block, and I just want to eradicate as much confusion uh, as I can. So I do this. I do the, the exact same thing that I do every time I get an Uber, and the I'm following the uh, ride on my app, and the driver. Uh, starts texting me, um, saying, I have arrived. And, you know, I text back, like, um, okay, I cannot see, I'm holding a white cane, which I had already texted, but, you know, I text it back again. Um, and he is texting me, saying, uh, I'm in the car around the corner, thinking, okay, there are about four corners here, like, which corner, um, I'm standing, like, I'm standing exactly in the spot where I order the Uber from. And anyway, anyway, so, um, we're kind of going back and forth and I feel like ugh, I'm going to have to cancel this ride or he's going to more accurately, he's probably going to cancel the ride on me. Cause he's going to get frustrated and annoyed with just, okay, I've told this guy I'm around the corner. Why can't he get it together to come find me? Um, and then I feel a palm graze my shoulder, and I kind of, like, look to the left, like, what, what? Um, hello? And I feel the vibration from my phone, and it's a text message from the driver, and it says, it's me, your driver. Uh, I just tapped you. I am deaf. And I. it took me a moment, and then I turned back to my – Oh, 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 okay, and um, I grabbed onto his shoulder, and he kind of led me over to his car, and I sat in the back, and throughout that whole ride, I thought, wow, did I become the version of the husband character from the Cathedral story in a way where, like, I was kind of getting annoyed with this person with, okay, like... (sighs) You know, go around the corner and I've arrived and like we just did not seem to be on the same page. I like, thought they were gonna cancel the ride or I was gonna have to cancel it, only to discover that the person was deaf and we were at an impasse because I'm sure he has his own sort of system and process uh, by which he ordinarily picks up somebody in an uber just like i have mine with you know hailing the uber and um, making connection with the driver and making the whole thing happen and so this was a first for me you know my 37 years on the planet never had um, this kind of interaction with somebody who was hard of hearing and i told my students about it the next day And it got us into a larger discussion about, okay, so we spend what seems like sometimes an endless amount of time discussing what is it like to be blind? Uh, What is it like to exist without sight in a world that caters to the sighted community and how best to articulate the help that we may need that um, the sighted community can provide for us and just talking about our community. And it struck me because of what happened with the Uber driver, that we needed to get into some different terrain. We needed to have the conversation of, okay, what does the version of this class look like in a community filled with students that are hard of hearing, a teacher that's hard of hearing, and how does that community expect, or what's the best way in which we can help that community? And the same could be said um, for those unable to speak in the mute community. And we just we got into this extended discussion where it was quite clear by the end of it that we needed to do a better job of offering education, like we expect for everyone else in the world to have about how to deal with the visually impaired community we needed to beef up our bona fides with respect to understanding the plight of not only the hard of hearing community but like i say uh, those unable to speak and those from a wide swath of other communities within the larger disabled world and for a lot of my students who, you know, will come um, to campus and, you know, they've gone through their own hardships and maybe some of them are still in that, what seems like an endless loop of kind of the, the, the oh, poor me, why me sort of thing. I thought it was a really terrific reminder that everyone faces challenges. It's a matter of like, in the words of Pat Summit, um, the quote that we looked at from this week, working harder, uh, putting yourself out there and giving everything that you have to whatever it is that you're doing. So that interaction with the uh, hard of hearing Uber driver Uh, really led to a fruitful discussion in the ranks of at least my segment of the visually impaired community and uh, I thought it brought a lot of things together for um, not only my students uh, but for me as well.
1: Yeah John that definitely took you know a kind of a turn that honestly I wasn't expecting. Like um, I obviously don't with the Uber driver and, you know, obviously you said you were kind of getting a little bit frustrated and then not even to realize that, you know, this person also was uh, somebody who was, you know, going through their own difficulty. So, I mean, it just is kind of interesting to, like you said, John, then you kind of felt like, okay, now you have to have the discussion with other people who are also dealing with uh, difficulties or not even de- dealing with a disability of, you know, there are other people out there who have, you know, problems, and but th- they're different type of problems. And it's almost like you have to realize how to cater to those as well. I mean, it was just I mean, obviously, I'm sure, John, you were um, a little bit maybe, I don't know, shock's the best word to, you know, that you had somebody else who was driving you and they happened to have a different disability in being deaf. And um, obviously, you guys were able to both make it work and um, able to eventually get on your way. But I mean it's just it's kind of just such an interesting thing cuz obviously you were saying that like you know you you were there and you were trying to like explain to the guy not having any idea that this guy was deaf and then him at first maybe not unless uh, when you start texting him not having any idea that you know he was going to pick up somebody who uh struggles or is impaired with um seeing so it just was something that just like i think for for both of you almost i feel like um you know obviously you want to get his opinion too is almost like um Something that maybe neither of you, um, you know, a- a thought you were going to encounter. And I mean, you just see it happens in real life. I mean, obviously, when you're working with disabilities, people, you understand that they're going to have difficulties with certain things. But then you come into like a real life situation, which you were brought into where, you know, it was just completely unexpected. And I think this goes for, you know, everyone out there, because I mean, I the other day actually had a um, a tough Uber driver. So, um, I mean. It's something that you you may not be expecting, but to be knowledgeable at it, as you said, had to knowledge, you know, the people who, you know, you were working with, your students, had to give them knowledge, knew the knowledge to, you know, how important it is to know these type of things. And obviously, I mean, everyone can learn From each other from other people's disabilities and uh, figure out the best way to work with that i mean it's just really interesting you know seeing that you know in real life and like you know unexpectedly and you know obviously you guys were able to find a way to get on your way um i mean you just you think to you know that person who is driving that uber i mean credit to them because i mean there are definitely uh, you know other times where you know what they might Feel like a little bit, you know, hesitant um, going out and doing this job because I mean they're they're basically meeting strangers all day long and I mean John we we know we were talking about it earlier with Diana the you know the arrogance that some people have and sometimes not even known arrogance and I mean that's a problem in itself that is you know they don't even know that um it's you know arrogant uh, the way that they're treating. Uh, these people in these really special communities. So just definitely, really, uh, John, it's definitely a story that, you know, it definitely took a different turn for me um, as I was listening. But uh, um, obviously, you know, you guys found a way to, to uh, get on your way and uh, definitely a great um, lesson there at the end is that, um, you know, t- t- talking about the importance uh, with other people with disabilities and uh, how they can handle um, you know, dealing with other people who have different disabilities um, and something that I think anyone uh, not I think know no, that uh, anyone could uh, take some, something uh, good out of that and uh, definitely something of importance
0: and with that we are going to call it a day here at Visionaries we'd like to thank everybody for their continued support for our podcast here uh, Aiden how can
1: folks at home follow along? Yeah, we're on Visionaries Podcast wherever you get your podcast, Apple Podcasts or Spotify. We are on both. Uh, you can also go ahead and check out the Instagram Visionaries Podcast. It's Visionaries Podcast on Instagram. Go ahead, check it out, and uh, links over there in the bio as well. If you want to uh, go ahead and go through that way, but uh, wherever you get your podcast, go ahead and take a listen. And uh, we appreciate you guys listening. Uh, we love uh, you know fan engagement content. Uh, we love uh, talking to you guys. So thank you uh, for. Take the time to listen today, and uh, we'll definitely see you next time.
0: Yep, yeah, we will talk to everybody very soon. Thank you all for listening.